Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Man in the Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host, Ali, and with me, as always, I have Dave Black and Simon O'Regan. How are we, chaps? Very well, thank you. Yeah. All right, thanks, mate. Yeah, good, good weekend of football for us to cover this weekend. Um, result not so much for yourself, Dave, but plenty of goals to talk about. Yeah, let's look at the positives, shall we? <laughs> yeah, we definitely need positivity in this world. Well, we'll start off very positively for, for myself. Um the opening game of the weekend was Crystal Palace nil, Liverpool seven. Um, I spoke to Simon briefly just before before you jump on him before that recording. Um, seven nil. Look, it, it didn't flatter Liverpool as such, um, but it doesn't tell the whole story. Um, obviously, Liverpool opened the scoring very early on with Minamino after about three minutes, um, really well taken goal, and then from then until the second goal, I would say Crystal Palace were by far the better team. Um, missed an absolute glorious chance when, I believe it was Ayu, uh, won the ball, threw one-on-one, and then just didn't know what to do, ended up trying to cut the ball back to Zaha, and Trent cleared it. Um, and then from then on, that was it. Uh, Manny, Firmino to Henderson, well, a lovely finish. And then Salah coming off the bench to keep FPL People happy as well, who probably forgot to take him out or didn't realise, um, and probably still had him as captain. So, yeah, a comfortable 7-0 win in the end. Uh, Dave, did you see much, and uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I watched this one. It was, uh, I mean, it was brutal. I mean, you, you, you scored some very, very good goals, let's be honest. Like, it wasn't like a scrappy five or six goals. Like, I mean, you, you could have won by any number of margin, really. It was just... Once Palace start chasing the game, it played in your hands completely, and um, you're obviously very good at exposing teams on the counter attack. Um, you look at Van Arnold for for Palace; he's a left back who likes to play very high up the pitch, and it was no surprise that he got caught a few times on the on the counter down that side. So, um, I think this was a proper statement win. I know it was only Palace away, but to win seven nil in the Premier League away from home, it's, uh, it doesn't happen very often, and. It, I suppose it's probably a quiz question here is to come of there can't be many teams who've scored and conceded seven in the same season, but <laughs> now now you've done it. <laughs> it, it, it kind of writes off that, that initial seven. Um good segue there, so we'll move on to the, the culprit of the teams. Um Simon. Uh, yeah. And the, does this redeem Liverpool from that embarrassing seven goal defeat to that you know, that lowly Aston Villa team? <laughs> well, just on that point, I I did find it a little strange when the match of the day's Twitter accounts after the game tweeted saying is this the best performance of the season I thought well 
our 7-2 win against the best team in the country was this season. But um, on this game itself, kind of, I mean, you guys have summed it up there. Like, I, like you were saying, um, Ali, I thought Palace, in that first half, actually, overall, in the first half, I thought they played quite well. Um, but as Dave quite rightly pointed out, the quality of your goals, I mean, I think all of them, in the right, you know, individually had moments of just genius in them. But, I mean, obviously Salah's uh, last one they put into the top bin, you might say, might have been, the, you know, arguably the best. But I really loved um, Firmino's first one, I think it was. Yeah. When he, outside of the foot, to, yeah. to set it out wide to uh, Robertson in the first place. Great crossing, lovely touch and finish. But, no, it's... Um, as you say, like you can, you can maybe say, or oh, it's only Crystal Palace, but Crystal Palace are normally they're quite a good defensive team. So you know, to, to put seven past them, you, you know, you, you can't, you can't see for that at all. And from Palace's point of view, my only worry now is that their next game is against us. <laughs> and so like <laughs> normally, if a team, if a team gets a battering like that. Their next game, you can normally bank on it's good. They're going to be like a one-nil scrappy win. They're, they're just going to he'll have spent all week defending even more so than I'm sure Hudson normally does with them. But um, no, from Liverpool's point of view, I think it it just cements for, in my mind that they are still the favourites for the title. They are if you finish above Liverpool this season, you'll have won the league because even without Van Dijk, it doesn't seem to have had the effects that I think people possibly feared it might have done um, which is testament to I suppose this, uh, the strength of the squads and but, but your front three it's, it's still the best in the league by, by quite some distance I think and and we've, we've, if as long as they're all fit and, and playing well you know it's, it's, you're going to do very well to, uh, to to get result off Liverpool this season yeah, I think uh, on the front three, what definitely helps is Firmino. Firmino's form the last three, four games has kind of been keeping back to that formidable player that nobody liked playing against. Um, and as you say, that, that first goal that he scored yesterday, the, the 60-yard one-two with Andy Robertson. <laughs> um, and on the Van Dyke miss, like, any team is going to miss a player of Van Dyke's quality, but the way Liverpool are set up, it's more of a, it's it's not so much based on individuals. You know, we, we could pick and pick and swap players, and the fact that Fabinho is quality, like genuinely, could be a centre back and not worry about playing midfield ever again. Um, yeah, think you could argue he's he's the best centre back playing in the league at the moment. It's unbelievable how well he's transitioned there. Well, yeah, like for me, we like watching Fabinho. Um, I, I believe we've got the best two centre-backs in the league. Um, you can't tell me even City. Uh, I mean, you could argue maybe Laporte is better than Fabinho, but he's never really put a, a great run of form to say, mm. you know, how good he is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. But as you say, Palace to Villa next, which... <laughs> Yeah, could be a could be a concern how deep Palace are sitting that, uh, and Liverpool are away to West Brom on Boxing Day. I think you're at home. At uh, home to West Brom, so they're here. Thanks, Dave. Um, what, so, what a lovely fixture for you. 
Yeah, we we have got quite a nice run of fixtures over this this period. Um, and I think I said to you guys a couple of weeks ago, um, if we I I said if we were there or thereabout, let alone clear at the top, um, I'd be fairly confident, especially going into the January window. My only concern now is. Everything looks so rosy to Liverpool then dip into the transfer market, um, mm. which, which for me, not doing so could be a could be a real concern come that February March time just just because of the the fitness or how how they'll cope. And as a Liverpool fan, what what, what do you want? Like a centre back, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes, purely because I think we need two if we were going to put Fabinho back to centre midfield. Um, I'm I kind of I swither week to week whether would it be easier getting a centre midfielder in and just leaving Fabinho at centre back and leaving Fabinho and Van Dijk as your as your first choice pairing. I think it'd be nice to have more options there because uh, Matip can play twice a week it seems. Yep. Or well, you know he's kind of made a glass a bit, isn't he? And uh, yeah. as I said, Fabinho is um, probably the best centre half in the league right now. But I think if you look at the bigger picture, the Champions League, are you going to win the Champions League with Fabinho and Matt up at centre back? No, probably, <laughs> probably, probably not. But um, again, and again, who are you going to get in on a, on a you know a loan or a, well, I don't know? Would you buy a centre back when you got Gomez and Van Dijk waiting well, to come back? It, yeah, well, this is it, and, and obviously you don't really want to go spending big on midfielders either when you've got Thiago just about to come back, and then technically Fabinho to go back into centre midfield. Uh, the the big rumour that I still don't think he'll come to us is Alaba from Bayern, who could kind of do. God, I mean, yes, yeah, I think every every team in the world would want him if they could. Um, yeah, he's he's free at the end of the season. So, I think the big talk was maybe Liverpool offering you know some sort of compensation package to take him in um, in January um, and see, but. Because then that kind of covers both options, depending on maybe who you're playing or what you want to do. Um, I do like the progression of uh, Phillips and Reese Williams coming through as well. But as you say, we, we, by the time the end of the season comes, unless Liverpool end up maybe looking to sell Joe Gomez if they were to buy, you know, an established centre back as well. Um, uh, there's definitely decisions to make in January. Um, but ones that definitely need to make, if you, especially if you want to stamp your authority in the European sense. Um, as I think, as you say, Simon, and I mean it's kind of hard to disagree. I think if you be, if you finish ahead of Liverpool in the league, chances are you're probably going to win the title this season. Champions League's a bit different. Oh yeah, I mean you've had you've had the perfect weekend, haven't you? Like the yeah, we'll, we'll come on to the games, but there's now a gap there, and it's very hard to see that gap being closed. So. We're not writing the title off already, but you know it's um, you're good front runners as we saw last season, um, and with the games you've got to come, I, I would be surprised if you, you know, ten points or so ahead clear by the time we get to January. Well, I I, I really hope so. Um, and then perfect segue again, Dave. So we'll come on to what should be our nearest challengers, um, who have had a kind of stop start season. Um, Man City were one 0 away win. Through Southampton, um, Man City's first win in three games, two draws prior to this. Uh, I think Southampton be quite disappointed. Again, it sounds silly, but just with a performance, um, and then Danny Ings with a with another injury. Uh, Simon, 
you've got a feel for Danny Ings, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, do we know how long, if it's a long term or? Well, it looks like it's a hamstring injury, yeah. this one. Uh, I've this not is... seen any. I don't seem to think it's too bad. Um, right. I think I think they took him off before it got any worse, but um, you know it, it's always a bit worrying at this time of year because you, you know a short injury can miss you three games quite easily, so it's, uh, it's difficult. Yeah, it's um, I mean the the game itself, I kind of I, I didn't like watch it all the way through, so I dipped in and out of it because it it was a bit of a disappointing game. Really. I, was, I was quite looking forward to it. Um, but it just, just kind of not, just bit, well, nothing really sort of happened. City got themselves an early goal, and then from then on, I, I didn't think you know Southampton weren't at their best really, um, and City, as they seem to have been for most of this season, just sort of, they've sort of become a team that the majority of their games are just sort of maybe grinding out one or two nil wins. Really, it's not, it's certainly not the free flowing. City of you know the last sort of two or three years that we've been used to. I think, I and mean, there's another in in this I think next summer their team that that might have to do a, a bit of a rebuild certainly in the forward positions. Well, you, yeah, they started with no strikers in this team, didn't they, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it was I don't I don't I didn't see them in the start, but it seemed like Torres and Sterling were kind of interchanging in that role. But yeah. um, do you think it's Something Pep's decided to do to try and, you know, certainly away from home, be a bit more sturdy and grind grind games out rather than, you know, the Cavalier style we've seen in, in previous seasons. Do you think that's something he's actively done or do you think it's just circumstances? I think it would probably have to be because like, there's no evidence of it being like this ever before. So why all of a sudden, like, there's not much of the yes, like obviously there's there's personnel changes, but they'll all still have been coached in that same you know high press, high passing, quick tempo. But as you say, there's just there's none of that now, and that can't stop, like just like that without instruction. It's almost it's very Arteta-ish. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's like maybe maybe Pep and Arteta need to be together to be the the complete package. To be separating them is. They've they've lessened their powers. They definitely have done that, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, as you say, Man City just aren't. They're not quite clicking out. I mean, we, I think we were all surprised they didn't beat West Brom last midweek. Um, and uh, I mean, if anything, I would have thought they might have dropped points here against a very decent Southampton team, but yeah. they kind of had them at arm's length throughout the whole thing. Um, they didn't really ever let them get up ahead of steam. Um, so yeah, it's it's a strange one, but they won, and that's kind of you know probably what they sell to do. So yeah, I think I, mean, I, I was just going to say I think it's becoming more and more evident um, just how much David Silver gave to that team. You know, even though he was sort of didn't maybe didn't necessarily play as much in his last season, but I think not only what he did on the ball, but I think the license that he gave De Bruyne as well. Cause, I mean, De Bruyne is still. You know, he's still playing well enough this season. He's still obviously creating chances, but compared to, say, last season, for example, or, or two years ago, that he's not the same. He, he doesn't seem to be performing at the same level. And I just wonder, like, just how badly are they missing that as uh, David Silver in that midfield? Because does that zip in the sense of the park definitely seems to have gone? Well, I mean, 
100% silver allow them to move the ball quicker as well, um, which is just seems to be missing a bit. I say they're kind of a bit, a bit ploddy now, if that's a word. But they're um, they obviously still get there, but nowhere near as fast. And I don't think De Bruyne has scored in open play this season in the league. I think he's got a handful of pens, but I don't think he scored a, a couple of free kicks as well. Isn't he? That's the way. I think so. Um, it's it's strange, but obviously he's still very good. Obviously got the assist here, but the levels he was hitting last season were two or three of where he is now. I mean, barring Arsenal, Man City have the worst recruitment in the Premier League um, for identifying players that they need, identifying players to fit the system. They just, just haven't done it well at all, whether that's Pep, whether that's somebody else. Um, like how they didn't plan for Aguero the last few years has, has, has suffered from injuries in and out. You know, he misses decent portions. Um, Silva was always coming to an end. It felt it took them a while to replace Yaya when he went. I just feel they just uh, there's been no forward planning. You know, it's almost like the, the here and now just get results. Um, and it's the one thing, like, Alex Ferguson did so well at United. You know, there was always those one or two players just to rejuvenate and Mix things up, and and Pep, I mean, he just hasn't done it at all. And they have spent. It's not like they've not spent money. Um, I mean, they've spent more on defenders in the last four years than probably both your clubs have combined in about <laughs> yeah. four seasons. Possibly, um, but I think if you look at Cancelo, he's starting to come good. Obviously, he yep. didn't hit the ground running, but I think that's part of it as well. Is that Pep, as you said earlier, plays in such a specific way, it's quite hard for players to sign and be immediately good does that make sense like they, they, yeah, they take no, a little bit of time to, to fit in and uh, I guess the exception that so far has been um, Ruben Diaz who I think I said I didn't really fancy him coming in from the Portuguese league and being you know top class but he, he seems to have made a bit of a big difference back there he's even made John Stones look decent <laughs> 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 that is a talent that is it is <laughs> <laughs> poor John Stones um <laughs> Man City, where did you, I just had this written down. Where's my, where's my notes on that? Man City up to the massive eighth in the league. Obviously, still got a game in hand, which will take them into the top four. Um, Southampton sitting, sitting on seven, still 24 points from 14 games. Um, they'll be delighted with that, really. Um, and it'll be an interesting couple of games. I mean, they coped without Ings the last time, so I just hope, as you say, Dave, the, the injury isn't too bad. And, um, they, they go again almost. Yeah, we know that will be fine. And uh, they've stood up well in just about every game. Um, the exception being that second half against Tottenham when they just were very, very naive. But um, they must be delighted to be where they are. Um, I think they've got Fulham on Boxing Day, which is obviously a very winnable game. So there's a lot to be positive about and when Ings was out they actually didn't miss him that much I thought they'd really sure. miss him but they, they you know they adapted quite well without him so I don't think they'll be in any bother whatsoever um, Man City got us next so that'll be four or five on Boxing Day so <laughs> look, look forward to that Stat padded City at the final <laughs> um, so on to the next game on Saturday was um, a game that I love to hate I mean I, I hate to praise Everton and I love to watch Arsenal suffer Um Everton, three wins in a trot against Arsenal, Leicester and Chelsea, which is very impressive, and a two-win win here. And Arsenal, two points from their last seven games. No wins, two draws. 
Um, Dave, I mean, take this away. I mean, batter into Arsenal as much as you want, and we, we have to say Everton are doing a fantastic job again. They've they've, they've kind of got over that little blip they had for a few games, and yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw Everton went second after winning this after we'd written them off a few a few weeks ago. Um, it's the comeback of all comebacks, this wasn't it? But uh, no, I mean, this was. Uh, I mean, that's the saddest thing from an Arsenal point of view is that this isn't a surprise result. Like this, nope. this this season in particular, like it's just it's, it's awful for Arsenal. Like I don't think anyone's ever seen them this bad. Um, I know they've had bad spells in their time under towards the end of Wenger's uh, reign there and stuff like that, but they're just awful at everything. Um, and what are they now? 15, 14 points, four points over the bottom three. It's uh, it's laughable, isn't it? It's um, I, I, I don't know where they go from here. Who do you say they have on Boxing Day? They have, uh, give me two seconds. Different screen for my notes. Arsenal have Chelsea. <laughs> Just the um. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I mean, you have to say like it would be funny if they got if they got relegated. Oh, absolutely. But, <laughs> but that's probably a long way off. Um. They're just atrocious, and uh, I think I think with Shearer match the day later, and they were just saying that they didn't really care particularly, and it's hard to disagree with that. There's, we've said it for weeks now. There's, there's very few players in the team who you'd you'd take any other club in the league, pretty much. Like I can't see anyone like battering down the door to sign any of their players. Like they're just, I just don't get it. Like how has it happened? How the how have they become so bad? Like even when even Wenger was there and they had like Lee Danielson and Abue, like they were still fourth. Like, <laughs> like, they're 15th. That's mad. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, this is the I think this is the worst start in Premier League history. Um, no surprise. Um, I mean, Simon. I mean, I mean, you must echo <sighs> me and Dave have said there. Um, yeah. I mean, I just and on the. Just question for Dave and how and I want to see how funny you truly would find it for Arsenal to get relegated. Would you take them going down for Burnley to stay up? Uh, yes, I think I, I think I would. <laughs> um, so, so would I actually. But, um, like I, I mean, I I think I've said this now for the last two or three weeks in, in a row after an Arsenal defeat. The most worrying thing again is. Arteta's post-match comments because oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's again come out saying well I, I saw there's a thing the other day that he's a quote from him saying we've been better than the opponents every single week but we are not winning football matches <laughs> and then in press conference this morning when he he started blasting out statistics and you know percentage chances of winning games and that the, the uh, losing games where they've only had a 3% chance of losing apparently against Burnley so they only had a 7% chance of losing against Spurs and it's like it's, it sounds like the man's having a mental breakdown <laughs> I mean I don't I honestly don't understand how you know football fans will accept if 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 a manager come, comes out and is honest after a game you'll accept it more then, then putting up with with that nonsense. I I get you that a manager doesn't want to publicly criticise his players, but fans aren't stupid. They can see they can see what's going on, and they won't pull up with with, with the manager coming out with stuff like that week after week. Eventually, they they will all turn on him. 
I think yeah, that's a very, yeah. very, very good point as well. Is that people? There's no substitute for the eye test, and like people are watching this week and week out, and it's you cannot say, well, we've been unlucky. They've just been crap. <laughs> there's no other way to put it. And uh, I just, I, I don't know how he's got the the balls to stand there and say, well, you know, we, we've been the better team. We've been good. We've been this. We've been that. You haven't. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's just mad. It's the the. The, the attacking um, game plan, if you can call it that, is the same every game. It's just get it out wide and cross it into nobody. I, it doesn't. We, I can't. I like you, Dave. But I can't understand it because last season, he's he seemed to have like got kind of a good thing going. He, he made them defensively quite solid, and he, you know, in some of the big games like the. Uh, the FA Cup semi-final against City, the final against Chelsea, and they beat Liverpool, I think, in the league in between those games as well. Beat us twice, yeah. Yeah, and, and they looked good. like, or Even if it wasn't maybe great free-flowing football, but they looked like there was a, a game plan that was working. But you look at them now, and just any idea that he had some tactical nails about him last season just seems to have gone completely out the window this year. And... I I don't I don't think they'll go down because they you know as as depleted as their squad is compared to you know the uh, sort of top half teams it is better than at least sort of four or five teams down there. But what would worry me is it like it, you know Fulham aren't great we all know that but the last few weeks they've showed a bit of, you know they've shown they've got a bit of fight about them. Burnley, as horrible as they are to watch, have got a bit of fight about them. You know, even West Brom kind of huff and puff a little bit. You look at Arsenal, I don't look like I don't look at any of their players and think they've got the stomach for for relegation battle, which is what they're not too far away from properly being in, to be honest. Yeah, well, you're right. <laughs> we're talking about Burnley, but we've got to remember, like Burnley went there and won. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the predicament they're in. It's uh, it's wild. I mean, I don't even massively dislike Arsenal. It's just like, like <laughs> it would be funny to see a team like get relegated. Like we all suffer with relegation and stuff. Like surely it's got to be their turn at some point. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, Arsenal used to be everybody's second favorite team just purely because they were a joy to watch. Yeah. And now they're just. Mm. It's miserable, it's boring, it's like, you know, that cold, wet night in Stoke? Um, <laughs> I feel that's, that's the Emirates now. Um, <laughs> there's just no identity. I think, Dave, what you said, did you say Shearer said it about just they, they don't care? Yeah. Um, it's almost like they didn't learn their lesson about making their, their aging player, um, like on stupid wages, um, just because he was running down his contract. <laughs> um, there's just... There's just knowing, as we like you mentioned at the start, we've, we've said it for the last few weeks. I, I can't think of many players. Um, I mean, I've discussed this in a, in a Liverpool group that I'm in, and I think we've said there's only three that we take for our squad, not not to play, not to start, just to to have them in a squad. And I mean, this is Arsenal guys. This is the team that you know, like modernised almost the Premier League when Wenger came in. The Invincibles that they keep telling us about for 9,500 years. Um, <laughs> but just the beautiful football they played, even when they weren't winning. You know, they were, they had, like, Wenger, as stubborn as it was, he stuck to that 4 3 3, that, you know, the same type of football. Um, you knew they were probably going to get bullied at the at the Burnleys, at the Stokes at the time. 
Um, but, you know, they had that principle away. Whereas now they just, they have nothing. And I, je- I do believe Arteta will be a good long-term coach, head coach, possibly manager down the line. But I just I just feel this was too big a job with, with too much work needed for such a, an inexperienced manager. I think uh, he might struggle to work again after this. Depend yeah. on depend on where it comes from. Like it's it's one thing if you take taken over, say like say us and failed because everyone fails at us. But the mm, I, I, club to to whatever they're going to end up as, uh, God only knows. You you think you look at these two teams that played, you know, Everton and Arsenal. It was around this time last year, wasn't it? With or just over a year ago, within the space of a couple of weeks, Ancelotti went to Everton and Arteta mm. went to Arsenal. And you almost feel like they've got them the wrong way round. If, yeah. if Arteta yeah. had gone to Everton, they he wouldn't be struggling. I don't believe he'd be struggling with them the way he's struggling with Arsenal now. If Ancelotti went to Arsenal, they'd certainly be doing a hell of a lot fucking better than they're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a long old season, I feel, for Arsenal. But um, look, wait, let's take nothing away from Everton here. As I said, three the last three wins were Arsenal, Leicester and Chelsea. Um, very yeah. impressive yeah Sheffield United on Boxing Day so I mean you'd imagine that's a comfortable a comfortable win for them um, and again it's looking rosy for Ancelotti and, he's in, and they're not without injury problems themselves yeah I mean obviously they've had uh, they've got a few defensive um, issues at the moment haven't they? Well, they they certainly have over the last few weeks so yeah, I think the results they've had this last week, uh, Chelsea, Leicester, and, and Arsenal, that that's that's three really impressive victories. To be fair, and they've, they've, I think they they their owner's got a bit of money as well, hasn't he? So does yeah. You know, in January, I know it's difficult to get players in January, but if they're sort of in and around that top four, five, six. From the start of January, which you'd expect they would be, considering they've got Sheffield United on Boxing Day. Um, you know, they you know the right players out there, and they they can go get some money. They they could still make a, a challenge for a top five or six spot. You think? They've definitely got the money to do it, and I think with the because there's the Euros next year as well, um, so they might have players sitting on the periphery of certain clubs that might want regular game time. True, yeah, that's a good point. Could, could be a good one. Right, Dave, I'm afraid I've, I've prolonged it long enough for you. Hmm. Um, I, I won all home draw with Fulham, with 10-man Fulham. Um, Matt Ritchie on goal in the 42nd. And then a, a Callum Wilson penalty, who's having a very good season for you guys. Great signing, as we, we mentioned before. Um, take it away for us. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, this was atrocious. This was... As bad as it gets, unfortunately. Fulham came and pretty much dominated the game. Um, we did what we always do now and just sit back and try and score a goal on the counter-attack against a team we should be considerably better than. But Bruce doesn't have it in his locker. He's not a he's not a proactive manager. Um, obviously, the, the own goal was hilarious, but it was deserved. It could have been any type of goal. It was, you know, obviously deserved to be one nil down. Um, we were very very lucky to get a point. And considering the goal we got came from a penalty where they got a red card, we didn't even look like getting the winner. We barely even 
mount an attack, couldn't get the ball off them with 10 men. It was pathetic. Um, hopefully people are starting to see where I've been coming from with this for weeks now because when this look runs out and doesn't get the results, you can see how bad we are as a team. Um, and it's the players are better than the results, but the, the, the tactic and stuff we're playing is just it's pathetic. Like, we have, I think we're the only team in the league who's two, two, cent, two centre midfielders sit on top of the centre backs, pick the ball up, and then they've got nowhere to go with it because, you know, that's they're so deep, they're so far away from the strikers. We've got two strikers, of course, for some reason. Again, 4-4-2, again, like, died out years ago for most good teams, but we're bringing it back. Um, it's pathetic. Like, everything about it, it's just awful to watch. Um, again, we were lucky to get a point, uh, and if it wasn't for Callum Wilson, we'd be we'd be at the bottom three comfortably. Yeah, I think, look, I think I was shocked, remember, when we first started doing this, when I took over, about how good, you know, the the Newcastle squad was. It was much better than I actually gave it credit for, purely just assuming because of the the position and the results that you tended to get. You know, not just putting it down to Steve Bruce, which I've now been (laughs) clearly woken up to. Um, I, I I do feel for you guys even more and more because the squad is far better than than what you are seeing, um, and you'd expect you'd almost be happy to accept, you know, bit like almost finishing 16th, 17th, but just playing that better style and you know losing whilst trying to win, if that makes sense. Well, that's it. Um... Against Fulham at home, like, we should be on the front foot. We should be trying to take the game. And we've got the players for it now. And previously we we said we haven't, but it just annoys us. Like we don't we don't set up to win games. Um, I mean, all right, you can use the COVID stuff as an excuse, which obviously has disrupted us a little bit. But um, we should it didn't it doesn't affect the manager's ability to put a team out that should go out there and try and win a game. I don't even know what our plan is really, other than just to sit and try and try and get them to overcommit. It's uh it's terrible really. It's not not the way a mid table Premier League club should be setting up against a newly promoted club. We've played all three promoted clubs in a week and we've got four points. We lost one of them five two. Um yeah. it's it's just he's he's getting found out more and more. There's there's a few rumours that there's uh he's fallen out with a couple of players who the club have quoted and said they've both got this long COVID so explains their absence but um, but generally there's no smoke without fire and the rumours and fallen out with them actually came out before the COVID outbreak so reading that what you will I don't know but I think unfortunately though until we get taken over there'll be no there'll be no change at the top um, I can't imagine actually wanting to spend the money on well A firing and B finding a replacement when with a bit of luck we'll have a different ownership next year Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. I mean, Simon, um, thoughts on this, and um, as well as Newcastle, I mean, Fulham are on a little bit of a rejuvenated spell just now. We're probably not picking up as many points as they want, but still more points than they, they, they started the season with. Yeah, um, I mean, from a Newcastle point of view, I think there's, there's anything I can really add to, to what Dave said. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's not great, but as, as you say, and whilst Ashley's still in charge, Bruce isn't going anywhere because he's why spend the money to to do that when he's probably going to keep you up. So um, yeah, that's not great. But from Fulham's point of view, 
Yeah, that's what you said. The kind of, you know, kind of what I said earlier when we were talking about Arsenal. Um, Fulham, they, they, they've at least shown in the last few weeks, especially, I think that win at Leicester a couple of weeks ago has just given them a much-needed boost of confidence that, you know, they they are capable of getting getting results. Um, you know, against Liverpool, they played really well and, you know, Possibly unlucky not to come away with all three points in that game. Uh, on you know, and then, and then this game, you know, the the penalty that got Newcastle the points. You know, I think I think Fulham could consider themselves quite lucky that that, that penalty was even given and that you know he was sent off for that because I don't I don't think there was an awful lot if, of contact if any on Wilson. Um, but yeah, Fulham. I, I, I still think it'll be a, a real struggle for them to stay up, and I would still be putting money on if I had to pick. I'd say the bottom three as it is will go, but you know they're only what two points off Brighton now, and you know Brighton, as I'm sure we'll come on to later, you know they they're just not winning. So you Fulham, they've the last few weeks they've given themselves half a chance, definitely. At least they're showing that. You know, it's not like Parker has like lost the dressing room or anything like. You know, the the, the players are clearly working for him, and they're starting to yeah just pick up the odd the odd point here or there. Now, point up from their point of view, they'll be obviously they'll be annoyed that they haven't taken all three because you know they were in a decent position too. But a point away from home is you know that that that's that's what they need. They need to be picking up points here and there. And so yeah, I think they'll be reasonably happy with how the last week's gone. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't disagree. I mean, I, I'll add the next game in as well, Dave. Before I bring you back on the film, obviously Simon just mentioned there how how close Brighton were coming in, um, and obviously Brighton took on Sheffield United after this, and it was a one-all draw with a ten-man Sheffield United. Um, this is a very disappointing result for Brighton. Like I, a big Brighton up right at the start of the season. Um, I really like Graham Potter, um, but they just. They needed a striker who was going to score them goals, and that is massively what they're missing. Um, I mean, thoughts on the relegation battle, uh, Dave? Um, we're, we're Brighton, obviously, closing in on that bottom four, three, four, and obviously Sheffield United grabbing their second point of the season. Yeah, well, right now, I would, I would say Fulham, I, I would, I'd back them more to stay up than Brighton. Um, yeah. The way. Of- it's funny with Brighton because they play good teams and they play good football, but when they play against a team who they're expected to make them, they're running against, they just kind of break them down. It was, I think they drew at home to West Brom earlier in the season and possibly someone else, I can't remember, but um, as you say, I mean, they don't have that cutting edge up front, but I don't, from watching this game, they didn't even play that good football, to be honest. They, um, they didn't seem to have many ideas. They kept getting the ball wide and they seemed a bit reluctant to put it in the, into the box and it just came back square and it went wide again and alright you're playing against 10 men who were sitting deep but they, um, they didn't really look like scoring until they, until they managed to sort of bundle one in but they're um, a strange team um, they uh, as you say the, the managers well liked well thought of but if they got relegated you wouldn't see another Premier League club coming in from, I think. No, yeah, fair point. I think it's it's almost getting to the point now where it's you know we we kind of lauded their style for a bit, but there's absolutely 
zero substance there and yeah unless they get a striker which again in January there's not going to be many of them about I wouldn't have thought <laughs> well you, you can wish for a Rigi all you want but <laughs> I mean someone will take them don't doubt us. don't doubt that but whether it's Brighton I doubt um uh, if I was Brighton, I'd be really quite worried because I feel like they've already played as well as they can and it hasn't even got that many points. Yeah. Um, whereas with Fulham, I feel, I feel like they are like a work in progress and improving every week, whereas Brighton seem to have just hit the buffers completely. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't disagree more with that. I mean, I, I really, you, you you have to be concerned if you're not beating Jeff United. Um, I mean, those are... Strong with West Brom, West Brom at least has a bit of, you know, like they are known for being set up quite defensively tight. Well, Sheffield United have basically been like Arsenal this season, um, just on less wages almost. Um, and as you as you mentioned, they've like they've, they've put in those, you know, the good performances early in the season, and they came away with no points or one point in games, um, and that that was always kind of going to cost them, especially if they if they can't capitalise. And I mean, you got it hit the nail on the head. It's like it's like it's two different teams when they play against a lesser team. It's like they don't try and put the same intensity, the same even you know the same passing. Like I I do think Potter, even if Brighton were to go down, I think he'd probably stay in the job because I don't know what manager they would get to bring them back in. A bit like you mentioned about Wilder the last week, Dave. Like it's almost like they're setting up for him to do like a amount on the championship next season rather than the the Premier League this year. Well perhaps, yeah. I suppose I mean you mentioned Sheffield United there. I guess the one thing you would say is that the players are still playing for Wilder. They're not getting the results yeah. but they, they dug in very well here. Um they were a bit unfortunate not to get the win even with ten men. They played it brilliantly in terms of how they set up with ten to still be a threat without just kind of sitting playing the nil-nil. They, they had a couple of decent chances. Um, it's a bit of a kick in the nuts for them to, to not get the three points, but I guess they can build on a point and go from there. Yeah, right. Well, we'll move on to the next game. And um, Spurs, properly Spurs it this weekend. We started the weekend in second place. Um, well, title contenders to many, um, which, like, let's be fair, they're, they're probably not ruled out of that. Um, but losing 2-0 to Leicester um, I thought Spurs were very poor in this game and the more and more I watched them I'm not sure why they've signed Gareth Bale I, I really don't um, it's it's a very it's almost like a just we've signed, what, what I said about Chelsea last week uh, signing good. I feel like that's what they've done with Bale now um, I, I don't think we'll see the the Gareth Bale of old or even the the Champions League winning Bale from Madrid. Um, I, Simon, did you did you watch this? And am I being harsh on Bale and Spurs here? And I mean, give Leicester all the credit in the world because they got their tactics spot on in this game. Yeah, um, I, I've just seen the highlights of the of this game, but um, no, I think you, you spot. I think with, with the Bale thing. Uh, the si- signing him that 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 just seems like an emotional signing made with the heart rather than with the head there because I mean the guy has hardly played football like cons- like you know properly consistent football for the last 
God, you know, having two or three years now. Um, and I, I think when when they signed him, I, I think there was an international break maybe just after they signed him. And I was and I watched him play for Wales in one of those games. And I looked and I thought he's he's a million miles away from being ready to play in the Premier League. And yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think you'll you'll never see him obviously back at the heights that that he was at because he was you know one of the best players in world football. But I don't I don't even think I don't think that I can't, I can't see him even getting back to a level of where you'd have him in a top four team, maybe in a squad, but not in a team. And when you when you think he's two years younger than Jamie Vardy, and like you know the <laughs> I, I mean obviously Bale's had you know injury you know a few injury problems and stuff like that but you know you you look at you look at the two of them and think Vardy was 10 years younger than Bale the way the way he he still gets about the pitch uh from Leicester they yeah great result for them again they they, they've been a really weird team this season when you look at their home form compared to the away form I think this is is either five wins out of six or six wins out of seven away from home and yet they've lost, I think, four at home. Um, so, which you know, I don't really understand how that's happened because it's, you know, with with the no fans in there, it shouldn't really be making a difference with the home and the, you know, how you set up and that. But uh, yeah, Tottenham, poor week for them, definitely in you know, in terms of results and performances. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an odd game, really. I, I, I kind of. I, I sort of expected more from Tottenham. I, I certainly expected a reaction, um, especially f- from how late they lost it in midweek. But at the same time, I wasn't surprised by what I saw from Leicester. So you know, it was a bit of an odd game, but fair play to Leicester. Great result. Yeah, Dave, Leicester second in the league now. Um, uh, Madison's goal chopped off on for the slightest of slightest offside oh, that was disgraceful offside really I know it is offside and all this but it's oh my god like it's it's even looking at the replays it never even looked offside as soon as I saw it come over like ah, mile on and here we go again with drawing, out, drawing lines from people's armpits and things and it's just silly um, but yeah Leicester were brilliant um, I know Tottenham let them be brilliant but it was probably the easiest win you'll ever get against a supposed title challenger. Like they were, they were basically untroubled throughout. Um, like Schmeichel made a good save from Son from a corner, and that's that's pretty much all I remember of, of Tottenham as an attacker. Any great note? It was um, it was all Leicester, and it could have been more really. Um, I just don't understand why Brendan Rodgers sets up this well against Tottenham away, but he has exactly the same formation at home to Fulham, and obviously got. <laughs> massively different results like for a supposed proactive manager you would think you'd realise there's no need to play five at the back at home to Fulham like I don't get it but anyway they're second in the league and I'm not so what do I know Um, (laughs) but again Leicester have come from nowhere to take that second spot they've kind of drifted away a bit and they've won three of the last four and now the second It's, it's it's crazy so we're I mean, on, on these two teams, these are the two teams who, are, for the last few seasons, I've kind of been there and there about, and little challenges at different points in the season. I mean, if you were to make a prediction now where each team would finish, I mean, get, get, give me a number. 
think oh, I think Tottenham will be probably fourth or third. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think Leicester can break the top four. Or? I just think that inconsistency is going to kill them again. I think they'll be, I think they'll be fifth. Yep, Simon. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with that. I know Tottenham have obviously had a, a bit of a dodgy week the, this last week, but I, I still see them finishing in that top four. And yeah, and and, and I think Leicester, like, like Dave says, the, the inconsistency. I mean, they just wildly erratic home form. Um, I think that I mean they'll they'll be yeah around fifth or sixth. You know they're not going to go any lower than that. But I don't think they'll be consistent enough to to break that top four. The the thing that worries me about Spurs is the same thing that excites me about Spurs as a Spurs fan is the Jose Mourinho factor. <laughs> if, if things start, you know, if they four or five results, not not losses obviously, not that that's saying they're going to lose four or five in a row, but. You know, if they start dropping points to teams that they shouldn't... They, realistically, they probably shouldn't be dropping points to Leicester City, um, as, as well as Leicester obviously played. But if they start dropping points at, like, a Burnley or a, or a West Brom, um, you know, and that's when, like, the... You know, you've seen Josie already after the Liverpool game, like, we sniping at interviewers and, like, trying to do, take, take that blame away from the players. You know, like, he used to do really well. Mm. Um, at Chelsea initially, but it then kind of just got. I don't know. I don't even know the right word for it. And and I do feel like Spurs aren't really the the most mentally strong team as as it's been shown in recent years, especially you know when they it was between them and Leicester if they win the titles. I think they end up finishing fourth that season um, in the end. And that's the biggest concern for Spurs for me. But it's also their greatest strength. That Josie is also the manager who can grind out five wins in a row, one nil, with twenty percent possession combined in five games, sort of thing. You know, he's just that type of manager, um, and I do feel it could just go one or two ways. We we know Josie's long term plan is never. He's, the, he's you know he's that three four seasons at a club, and as of recent, that third season's always really really poisonous. Um, and so that that would be my, my worry for Spurs at the latter parts of the season anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not going to go three games out of win that often, I wouldn't have thought. Um, that's been a tough two games back to back. They kind of gave it away against Palace the previous week, I didn't talk about it at the time, but that's the type of game that would worry us more than losing to Leicester and Liverpool because you've just seen Liverpool smash Palace 7-0 and Spurs just about got a 1-1 draw. Um, I know there was the fan factor in there a little bit as well, but I, I don't think that's going to make a difference of, of seven goals. Like, you know, there's just, just, just two teams that are a world apart. Um, it's really quite interesting isn't it, between second down to, and you probably have to include Villa in this, because you've got two games in hand, like you could almost say anywhere from two to ninth could end up scrapping for those top four places. Like it's uh, it's pretty close, and there's a lot of teams who beat each other. Yeah, the, the next few weeks are are matter. The next two three weeks where the fixtures have been that fucking fast, and um, obviously another team who has a game in hand, which will come on and now if they win their game in hand, they go to second in the league. Um, Man United winning six two against newly promoted Leeds. 
Man United's last seven games have been six wins and a draw. I just didn't realise this. I just I, I don't know if it's just because of the way United have played. I mean it's kind of scraped results. Um there are nine hundred penalties they've had this season. But that's incredible. Like hang on, like it's, it's it's crazy for me to think that I feel like every time I look online or I look anywhere that Solskjaer's under pressure. Um <laughs> I think a lot of clubs could do with that sort of pressure if that's what <laughs> you know losing your job as a as a manager. I mean, Dave, I mean, I I'd never seen this game. I, I just kind of kept up to date with in our WhatsApp group, and I think it, it seemed to be a really exciting game. And Leeds were kind of not hard done by as such, but they made a real go of it sort of thing, which obviously might be their their oncoming as well. But I mean, did you watch the game? And yeah, no. Really enjoyed this game as, as you would any any neutral watching game with eight goals and obviously going to going to enjoy it. But um, I think a lot was said about uh, our Leeds playing a certain way and if, you know they need to stop playing that way. I really hope they don't because this was a good advert for the league and uh, obviously they won't enjoy being on the on the end of a six-two thrashing. But the way they play, you've kind of just got to accept that's how it's going to be. Um, they obviously beat us five-two a couple of days before that. That's the good side of it. The negative side of it is when you play a team who are ruthless on the counter-attack at Man United, I, I kind of thought this might have a lot of goals in it. I think everyone did, to be honest. Um, but just concede two in the first three minutes is bad by anybody's, uh, by anybody's standards. And McTominay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he had a, he had a, a great game, to be fair to him. He, right. uh, the first goal was beautiful strike. Second goal was, was just kind of box to box midfield player breaking in and, and scoring. Um he um he had a he had a, a top game and uh the leads, I mean they they play the way they always do. They had some like sixteen shots, got two goals, probably could have had more goals. Um but that's just the way they they're gonna play and fair play to be also for sticking with it because we see teams every week now, you know, essentially park on the bus in pretty much every game. Um, whereas Leeds do the opposite and they attack in every single game and that's you know they're probably going to get 40 points quicker than Fulham put it that way so um, power to them and I hope he keeps going I mean his career suggests he will keep going with it so yeah (laughs) yeah I mean Simon um, I mean you know Leeds probably probably I when you came up, obviously Leeds were kind of... Was that the start of the Bielsa reign? Or did he come in just as you... Uh, the season we went up was his first right. season in the Championship, yeah. I mean, so what? I mean, do you agree with Dave that you, you think Leeds should stick to the way? I mean, I, I've said it for a few weeks. I think the biggest thing Leeds could really do, if it's just as well as Bamford's done, is just having more goals in their team. Like just somebody who can score because they do create a lot of chances. And they, they will continue to do so. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, when, when, when we were in the, the season that we had in the Championship when we'd be also in charge, they were the best team who came to Villa Park uh, that season. We we played them around Christmas time. We were 2 0 up at half time. And at half time, like me and all the lads were saying, do you know, I still fancy Leeds to win this. They, they did play really good football. And, and they. They are, as Dave said, they're very entertaining to watch. Um, they, 
but they're, they're just mental. <laughs> Bielsa is just mental because any other manager uh, knows, you know, every manager knows that Man U, they're great at counter-attacking football. So to go and set your team up, which is basically, you know, a, an absolute gift to counter-attacking football, you're saying we're only going to leave two, maximum three men back. Doesn't matter if you leave four or five people forwards, we're still only going to leave two or three men back. So have at it, lads. I mean, yeah, Luke, uh, Leeds could have scored, you know, probably four, five, six goals. Man, you could have scored 11, 12, 13 goals all the way the game went. Um, I kind of, I think it is entertaining to watch. Um, and they, I think if. You kind of, if they had better defenders, um, then obviously it would, it would help out an awful lot because the, the way that they're playing, I, you, I look at that defence and I, I don't think it's a Premier League quality defence. I think what, what is saving them is, is that they're so good going forward and that's why you know, they're, they're going to pick up you know, a decent number of victories. But the way they play, see, they like they won five two against Newcastle, lost six two to United. If they'd have uh, lost six two to Newcastle and beaten Manu five two, I I wouldn't have been chucked. <laughs> I, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do not know what what you're going to get when you watch Leeds, apart from entertainment. You know you're going to get that. But you've not got a clue how the, what results the game's going to end up. They've um they've now got the worst defence in the league in terms of goals conceded, but they've also kept something like four or five clean sheets out of fourteen, which is wow. one, one one of the better one of the better defences in a season where there hasn't been many clean sheets, admittedly, yeah. but um it just goes to show it's it's kind of chalk and cheese and it's like you just don't know what you're gonna get. Mm. You you just, you kind of wish Leeds fans could be in the ground to to properly enjoy this. That's that's kind of what's missing for for the fans and. For the players as well, in fairness to them. First season up in 16 years, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things for this year that's been... I mean, for all clubs, but especially a team like Leeds who've, who've waited so long, um, it would just be fantastic. And I think that would probably take the players on another level, give them even more energy somehow, because even at 6-2 down yesterday, um, every time I checked the line, Leeds were still like, sprinting forward and trying you're like it's two minutes left what are you doing but fair play them they, they've bought into Bielsa's way like it, it's just that is a credit to to the man to the coach and to the players and I, I think Ross said himself is that and Leeds not now playing without no centre-backs um, one got injured yesterday yeah I think Liam Coop was the last man standing but he's gone off now um, I think I mean, the way they play, you don't really have centre-backs. You have, you have play, players who stand further back than the rest, and that's about it. So. <laughs> uh, no. But as I say, Man United win their game in hand. They go up to second. Um, I need Ole to start being Ole again. Um, I mean, you mentioned on our next game, Dave, you mentioned, well, I've got a couple of games in hand. Uh, a nice 3-0 away victory here. Uh, albeit to, to West Brom, Simon, but you must be pleased. And uh, tell, tell us about the game. Uh, yeah, very pleased. And talk about the games in hand. If we win the two games in hand, we go second, <laughs> which which seems incredible, really. Um, but the game yesterday, I mean, 
two, three minutes into the game, you, you know, we were looking well on top. Got the goal after, I think it's about four or five minutes. And from then on, we were just in complete control. I mean, um, it kind of, we didn't even have to really get out of sort of second gear, to be honest. We just, we dominated from start to finish. What I found really odd after the game was um, the pundits kept banging on about Jake Livermore's red cards being a real big turning point in the game and a key moment. But for the 35 minutes that he was on the pitch, we we were in total control. If anything, it made it harder for us to break them down in the second half because they literally just put everyone else, everyone behind the ball with the yeah, hope, I think, of right, just try and keep it at 1-0. And then in, if we get to 80 minutes at 1-0, we, we might nick a set piece or something. But um, Bertrand Traore had his best game for us, definitely. I think... He struggled at the start of the season. I don't think he'd had much of a pre-season because uh, I think Leon got quite far into the Champions League. Um, so he was obviously playing on in, until sort of middle of August and then came to us fairly late. So he hadn't had the pre-season, but he seems to be getting match fit now. Uh, putting a lovely ball, fell guards at the back post for the first goal. His Traore's goal, our second goal, was just such a lovely, cool little finish. I mean, he, he took it so early. Sam Johnson, he didn't even move. Um, and you then watch we, it over and over again, couldn't you? How, uh, how cool it is. It's a lovely finish. It was beautiful. But what I loved about that as well um, was the run for Molly Watkins because when Troy picks a ball up, Watkins is basically in the centre of the goal. And the easy run would have been to have just carried on going straight. But he comes, makes, makes a beautiful bending run round Troyore to take, just shift the defender's focus for that split second. And then Troyore cut inside onto the left foot and, and slips it away. Um, Watkins has another. I, I can only assume that Adam knows someone in at Stockley Park and has informed them about the bet that me and him have got. <laughs> because Watkins has now had two goals in the last two weeks taken off him for his arm being offside on both of them. I mean, the, the one at West Ham, they drew the arm from his elbow. The one last night, they drew it from the top of his shoulder. So, lovely bit of consistency there. But um, And then, yeah, we, we got a penalty uh, at the end. You know, Grealish was once again just outstanding. Uh, Sam Allardyce is, uh, has obviously only had a couple of days with the squad, and I assume he just spent two days just telling them all right every time this lad with the floppy hair gets the ball leather him and and uh, that that's what Livermore did and look how that works out for them but um now from, from our point of view another clean sheet as well we've that's five win away from home we played six games won five five of them with clean sheets and to be honest it should be six wins out of six because we should have beaten West Ham away from home um Emmy Martinez Ed, I, mean, I, I said at the time, I'm surprised Arsenal had let him go. And, you know, as each week goes by, it's even more of a baffling decision. But defensively this season, we, you know, I think we've played 12 games and kept seven clean sheets in those 12 games. When you think of how bloody awful we were last year at the back, you know, to, the, the comparison to this year, I see Martinez helps out. The big thing of that as well is Douglas Louise. He... When he first came to us last year, you could see there was a player there, but he didn't look 
he looked quite far away from being ready to play at the pace of the Premier League since football since uh, the football restarted after the lockdown. He's he's now at the moment he's one of the best holding midfielders in the league, and is it my real worry is that when we bought him from Man City. They had to buy back option for the first two seasons. Now, obviously, last summer's gone. If he keeps playing the way he's playing, I'm sure Pep will be looking at him thinking, I'd rather him than Rodri as my whole midfielder because his range of passing, he mops up so well. He's a hugely underrated footballer in the league this season. Like, I think a lot of our players are. I think because Grealish is such, you know, he's, he's a box office figure now. And everyone, when Villa play most of the good stuff does go through him. But I think of how how good he is, it kind of takes away some of other players like Louise, like John McGinn. I think a lot, a, a few of our players have gone quietly under the radar, but uh, we've, we've got ourselves, I think, a really, really good team this season. I think so. I think you're... Uh slowly become one of the one of the best teams to watch as well, not just about results. You're uh, usually pretty good for goals. Um as you say the boy the boy Watkins has been a bit unlucky enough to have a few more but um you got Barkley come back as well who I think helps. Um mm. and it's I mean one of your games in hands against us. I mean you're effectively on twenty five already. Um, <laughs> and then I think is it Man United or Man City should have Yeah it's Man City. Which I mean, it's a winnable game. It's yeah, a winnable why not? game. They, why not? I think it's, they're struggling for goals a bit this season for some reason, as we've discussed, but you know, they're there to be got at now. Um, I'd definitely swap places with you, put it that way. You're, um, <laughs> you're uh, very quietly becoming a real force this season. and um, The squad's all of a decent age as well. It's not like you've got a couple of years in this and that's it. It's like they're all only going to yeah. get better for the most part. Yeah, it'd just be as you mentioned, Simon. It'd just be kind of holding on to, you know, certain individuals. Um, I, I mean, think I know you mentioned the Grealish price, but what helps us with that is our two owners. I think we've got the third richest owners in English football. They, they're two. We've, the two of them are multi-billionaires. So from that point of view, there's no. We do not need to sell anybody. We don't need money to come in from player sales. Um, then obviously players can you know pick up a fuss and that, but there seems the, the players that we've got they seem to be good characters. And so, someone like Greenish, because he's been a through and through, it would take an awful lot for him to want to leave. I think so. I, I don't think I don't think that would be too much of a struggle holding on to players as long as there's progression every season and, and the players can see that there's progression to to get better. Yeah, the progression's the key thing. I mean, not not so much the money. I mean, they're all, they're all earning you know big enough wages, but it, it is the the Champions League football. It yeah. is, you know, like I, I hate the way this works, but it, it's true. Like if Jack Grealish signed for a Liverpool, a City, a United, maybe a Spurs, maybe not, but he then becomes that guaranteed first choice for England, which is yeah. ridiculous. That sort of move has to happen. I, I normally, I think in years gone by, I, I would, I would say that's the case. I, I personally think, and again, I, I'm probably just going to get accused of Villa bias for this, but I think he's.
that good a player that he he doesn't need to go to a club like that to be first choice. I think now, certainly the last international break, I think he, he was given sort of a, a, a chance and I think he showed to everyone what what Villa fans have been saying for years about him, just how of how good a player he is. I honestly think I think we're from a Villa point of view, I think we're incredibly lucky and privileged to have him because I genuinely think he's one of the best players in the league. And I I personally think he gets into every starting lineup in, in the league. Oh, absolutely. But I think you made a good point there in England is that his emergence has actually probably caused a lot of the tinkering Southgate's done because he's got to find a way to get him in the team because if you think of where he plays for Villa, which is, well, correct if I'm wrong, but mostly the left-hand side. Yeah. We've had Sterling, we've had Rashford, um, who have been two of England's best players for the last couple of years, who are you know, effectively in direct competition with them. So he's now got to find a system that gets... He's probably not going to leave out Sterling or Rashford, I wouldn't have thought. No. Um, Harry Kane's obviously going to start. So that's already three attacking players almost taken up, and it's it's a difficult conundrum to solve. But, uh, I mean, on form, Grealish should be in the team, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I think that's. I think as you mentioned there, Dave, the biggest the biggest issue Grealish has is, is actually his position, um, not his talent, not his ability, but the team. Not it's not built around Grealish at Villa. I don't mean that Simon like that because. Yeah. Um, but the way teams normally look for a, a left winger as such is more of that PC forward sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, 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 I do agree with that. The one thing I would say in in terms of the pace is whilst he doesn't have, he's not like a Sterling or Rashford. Rapid, oh no no I know he's, no, he's not slow. I know yeah. that, yeah. The, uh, it's the turn of pace on the ball that he's got. I was going to say he's very quick with the ball. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's very, he's almost like he glides across the turf. It's weird. And you know, if you say like someone like Rashford, he kind of cuts the turf up as he runs. Yeah. yeah. With as he just glides across it. It's bizarre. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a hell of a skill to have. <laughs> he's he's very much. Like when Coutinho was at his best for Liverpool, um, that's what he reminds me of. Mm-hmm. You know, just that type of play. He's he's almost like a number ten who plays wide. Yeah, he's not getting the ball and hitting the byline or always cutting inside. You know, it's like he did, he really does dictate play from a wide position. It's it's very unique. Yeah, I mean, to, I mean, to be fair, the, the game yesterday, he was playing in that number 10. It was El Garza in Troy. Right. But, but I, I get the point for the... Certainly since we've been back up in the Premier League, the majority of his appearances have come on, on the left in the front three. But he, up up until then, and I know he was in the Championship, so it's a different level, but he was playing in the midfield three. So I think at international level, if you had at least... If, if you had... You could play Grealish, Jordan Henderson, and then and, you know you can pick uh, anyone else I mean, you wanted. Then in, it, inside it, midfield it's, three, it's going to be Declan Rice. We all know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but, but even if you did that, then at least you you've got in in Rice. You know whether regardless of how we all you know necessarily feel about his international ability, but he would be your holding player. Henderson is your box to box, and Grealish. He's your creative player, but he he does track back. If you, if you look at like his stats for running back, that's another part of his game that that massively gets overlooked by by I think 
a lot of lazy commentators who just think of him as a flash creative player. But his work rate to get back, his work rate off the ball is very, very impressive if you actually watch him over 90 minutes. Oh, yeah, I agree. But uh, again, Selke seems to have it in his mind that he wants to play three centre-backs, which kind of <laughs> breaks yeah. all that up. So he's got problems to solve. I'm sure we'll get into that next year when it gets close to the time. But it's uh, it's not getting any clearer, is it, the picture? So. Nah, I mean, uh, j- just uh, a quick word on, on West Brom. I can only assume that Allardyce has been promised mm. a shitload of money to spend in January because that team is not going to stay up as it stands. I, d- I don't see why else he'd risk his reputation. He must have been told there's going to be some money to play with in January because they've got one win in 14 games and <laughs> they've got no goals in the team. They can't defend. Uh, he, he must... He must have his little black book of contacts ready to go, like, because I just can't see how he's going to get out of it. I mean, but with that, I mean, do, do we not think that's just such an odd decision from, from West Brom? When you think, you know, they, they had Tony Pulis for a couple of years in the Championship, which you know, they played dog shit football. They got Slavin Bilic in, who's got, who, you know, West Brom, for the majority of the Championship last season, the players that he had, the squad he assembled, they played quite attractive football. You know, people like Dean Garner, you know, he's a, he's a decent little player. Um, Matty Phillips is, you know, he's not Premier League standard, but he he's more of a, you know, sort of flair type of player. And so to have, have got a manager like Billich to assemble a squad like that, to then sack him and go back to, you know, telling these players now just twat it long to have patched up Charlie Austin, which I'm assuming is going to be the team talk for the next few weeks. Like it just it doesn't make any sense at all. I think that's such an odd decision. Oh, I mean it's, it's totally odd. I don't get it at all. But well I do get it because he's they've gone with well he always keeps teams up. Yeah, um but, it, but but it, it's, as we all know it's not as simple as that and I mean, I hate the guy. Like, I could do a whole podcast on why I hate Sam Allardyce. Everything, <laughs> everything about him. I'd um, love to hear that. Well, one day maybe it'll happen. But I hate him. I hope he gets relegated. Like, yeah, I can't tell you how lucky I feel to have gone from. We only had him for six months as our manager before we managed to get rid of him. He then went to he then went to Sunderland. Obviously, we don't like. He kept them up from an almost impossible position at our expense. It was well equipped to go on and take them to be, you know, a mid-table side or even better. He somehow got the England job, which again, <laughs> terrible news for me because I had to watch him as England manager. He managed to lose England after one game. <laughs> leave, leave someone with Moyes and obviously got relegated twice. Um, England went on to reach World Cup semi-finals, and he's been out of work ever since, pretty much. We, I mean, that's a massively lucky escape for my well-being, but. <laughs> I would I would be ginormously pleased if they got relegated without a trace in the same way that they did when Pardew went there and everyone said oh Pardew's gone there they're going to stay up and I said they will not stay up because he's a terrible manager and sure enough they were relegated and he left before they were relegated out of shame <laughs> if the same thing had happened again I'd be very pleased you know Sam's going to do the same because he's not going to be there oh, to get them relegated if they are still looking ropey by mid-April and they haven't quite been relegated, he'll leave by mutual consent. And yeah. that'll be the end of that. 
that means he, he keeps his reputation intact so he can get the next relegation job next season. Um, but but well then, would you be really surprised if they make up five point gap to Brighton? No, I really wouldn't, and, and well, that's more an indictment on Brighton. Than... Well, that's the disgusting thing is that they've got one win in fourteen, and they're not dead and buried. With yeah. their current squad, I would be surprised. It, it, I, I, I think they need so much. They need a lot. A lot of surgeries required in January because they, 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 their team for the champ of good championship players. There's not a Premier League quality player in that squad at the moment for me. Oh, that's hundred percent. But they've got. Diangonga and Pereira, who were decent wide players, so yeah. stick them up top. Stick, as you say, find a beanpole up front, whether Charlie Austin or you'll, 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 you'll find one from somewhere, he always does. Yeah. And, and, it, and I tell you now, he'll sign a defender from France or somewhere like that who will yeah. take absolutely no shit and be great at heading in corners. I tell you what, we'll finish on the corner point on that and we'll move on to the wonderful Sean Dyche and Burnley. Um, again, uh, turning that uh, round. Uh, Allardyce light. But <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a massive win for Burnley. Um, it, it rules. I mean, I'm not even going to go into the negativity on Wolves. I'm kind of getting sick of talking about them. I'm so almost hurt by Wolves um, because of how high I was and, and Simon as well at the end of last season. Hmm. Um, but. That's 13 points now. They've got a game in hand. I'm not 100% sure who it's against. Um, Man U. All right, okay. So they're still on 13 points after 14 games. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's just... That's three points above Fulham now. Um, Only a point behind Arsenal. Four points behind Leeds. And and Burnley, as much as you hate them, Dave, they they are that team who can grind out results against us, against anybody. Um, Especially the more and more players come back to fitness and... Um, I mean, I doubt Sean Dyche will get any money in January. He never seems to. Um, but this is a massive win. I mean, I've only seen the highlights of this. Did any of you watch the game tonight? Well, obviously not. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, they've taken eight points from four games, which is more than West Brom have got in fourteen. So I think they'll be they'll be absolutely fine now. Um, they've obviously figured out whatever was wrong with them and have gone back to doing what they do best, which is. Scoring shit goals and balls in the box. I think Chris, Chris Chris Wood absolutely smashed in the second goal from about a yard. <laughs> it was the most Burnley goal I've ever seen. Um, I mean, I think we're all surprised how poor Wolves are. I mean, I know that we thought we'd struggle for goals without Jimenez, but they can't defend anymore. It's uh, their team's also unrecognisable. I looked at the team tonight and I was like, they had a number 54 play midfield who, no idea. Um, the left back's brand new. They've obviously started playing Kilman at centre back, who was, uh, all right seems to be doing all right for a bit, but probably not Premier League quality. Um, Pedence and Neto as a front two, really. And I think Fabio Silva came on and obviously won and scored the pen. <sighs> I was never really worried about Wolves like playing them because, as, as I said at the time, like they they just pass the ball square and kind of grind you down. But now without that porter up there. You wouldn't worry about playing them at all. There's no fear factor there whatsoever. Yeah, it's the, the strangest thing for me at all is is Ruben Neves. Like he's gone from like one of the hottest properties in that team um, to he barely features anymore. Um, and when he does, he's he's almost like a meh type player. Mm. 
Um, it's, it's very strange. And again, he's another manager who I thought he was really good when he first came in the championship. That was the first season I'd watched the championship properly in a while. Was Wills's season um, when they came up, uh, and it, it was just great to watch them. And I mean, obviously the players they had were levels above championship, really. Um, but he's just so tactically inept that it was like when Plan A wasn't going his way, there was no change. And oh, we mentioned last week, obviously he's changed to the the four at the back, which exposes Cody mainly, um, and obviously losing Dory, which was a massive part of their their attacking play last season. Um, Jimenez is obviously a huge blow, but that midfield of of Neves, Matinho, and was it Dendonka? It played as a three or well, Dendonka, to, no, well, to, to, half, well, today it was this number fifty-four whose name is something like Otswai, but I can't remember. I don't know who he is, but he um, played in like the advanced role, I think. Right. Um, I just again I mentioned it a few weeks ago. It's mad to think how much. Jot has made a difference in the attack. Obviously, Jimenez. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just an unrecognisable team from the team at the start of the season. Yes, they kind of, as you say, Dave, you weren't kind of, like, you weren't fearful of going there because they did, but they, they kept the ball well. But they were always, they always, you, you fancied them getting three points against anybody at the same time as you quite comfortably see a nil-nil draw. But they, they're just, you know, they're just lacking something. I mean, Simon, did you see any of this? And, uh, uh, yeah, I did watch the know. game. Yeah. Um, do you know what? What? And I've got to say something now. That that's going to be going to sound really strange after, after what we just said because I agree with everything you just said about Wolves. But points-wise, after this number of games, this is their best ever Premier League season. Wow. I know. I they they. Uh, I couldn't believe it when the uh, commentators were saying that during the game. That, that really shocked me because I agree with you. They seem to, they don't seem to have really done well up this season. But you know, seemingly they have, or they've certainly done better than than they have in previous years. Um, the game today, they started the game quite well actually. The first sort of twenty twenty five minutes, Wolves Wolves were pretty on top. Um, didn't really have any properly big chances though. And then Burnley scored did fairly decent first goal. I mean, it's a great run from the left. Uh, Charlie Taylor, I think it's the left back. He basically sprinted the length of the pitch without the ball, like to to, to get on the end of the pass, and then clipped it up to the back post well. And then from then on, Burnley sort of were just in really comfortable and complete control. Um, the second goal, as, as Dave said was the most Burnley of Burnley goals you could imagine. Like, free kick up to Ben Mee. Put it head to back across the goal. Falls for Woods and then, yeah, absolutely <laughs> left it in. But, um, Wolves were just... I was really, really disappointed with them because, I mean, for Burnley, they kind of... I, you know, I watched Villa play against them on Thursday night. And we absolutely battered them. We had 27 shots, so we absolutely destroyed them. But, like, I think we kind of said a few weeks ago when we were talking about them as possible relegation candidates, with certainly with with Pope and then me and Tarkovsky in front of them, they can just defend. Like, it's not pretty to watch. In fact, watching them on Thursday, I was 
I was sat there thinking, if I was a Burnley fan and I'd see this week in, week out, I don't know how your man from I'm a Celebrity can call Turf Moore his happy place. Because if that's his happy place, I don't want to know what his dark place is. Because it must be <laughs> fucking horrible. But, um, but, but they'll, they'll, they'll be comfortable. They'll, I think right at the start of the season, uh, on one of the uh, first uh, review shows of this weekend, we were talking about Burnley. And it seems like the mid-season is like the Bermuda Triangle. You don't know where the results come from. They start the season shit, they finish the season shit, but they stay up comfortably. Like, it just, it's just the Burnley way. <laughs> it's the Crystal Palace of it. <laughs> it is, yeah. That's, that's, that's what I call that. Um, yeah, I think like we're all in the same, the same boat there, but um, we'll, we'll move quickly along to the to the last game of the weekend. Um, Dave, were you much happier watching this game? Not happy as in enjoying it, but at least it was a, a more attractive style of football, shall we say. Yeah, it was, it was a decent game, wasn't it? Uh, I thought 3-0 flat at Chelsea in the end. Um, West Ham had a really good spell after half-time where all right, they didn't really make the chances to score, but had a lot of had a lot of territory, had a lot of you know, balls in the box, that kind of thing. Just couldn't get a chance to fall for them. Um, I think if Antonio had been playing, it would have made a bit of a difference because Halle... He has his qualities, but doesn't seem like a like a natural finisher, really. Um, so yeah, ended up being quite comfortable for Chelsea, but not as not as comfortable as it looks. If you if you just look at the scoreline, you'd think this was a, a good night for Chelsea, but um, West Ham ran them pretty close for 80 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Simon, you were pretty much in agreement when we we spoke off pod. I mean, um, I mean, your thoughts on the game. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is pretty much then exactly. That's exactly pretty much the conversation that you and me had um, before we started recording. It was three 0 definitely makes it look more comfortable than it was. I mean, but then having said that, as as you said, West Ham. I, I don't think they had a shot on target all game. So, but but they had. You kind of in the second half. There's about you know, sort of a twenty minute period, twenty five minute periods, where you kind of felt it's weird to see you felt like there was something coming mm. but nothing ever really looked like it was going to come if you know what I mean uh, the final ball was a bit was a bit poor from tonight and I think they were probably waiting for that, that right set piece which they you know, could just get on Ogbonna's head or something like that but it just never quite transpired for them and obviously as they were kind of probably trying to build up ahead of steam Chelsea got what was a pretty soft second goal when Werner oh, yes. totally totally misses a shot and Abraham <laughs> gets, the, gets the tap in Werner looks like a different player to what we saw in, in Germany. He doesn't, obviously he's very low on confidence at the minute, but he um, he missed a chance in the first half, which was such a tame oh, finish. Like, I know he got the ball caught under his feet and whatever else, but it just was poor. But I think we all know he's better than that. It's just a spell he's going through. It, it reminds me of the Torres and Shevchenko years, though. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, where strikers go to die. <laughs> um, you know, another good win for Chelsea though. Um, they are where are they now? Fifth in the league, um, twenty-five point six off the top. Um, Arsenal, we said they had it the weekend. Uh, well, Boxing Day, sorry. Um, yeah, it's a it's a not bad season. Um, I mean, they've got higher expectations than than just making top four. I'd imagine, obviously, not winning the title as such, but they have spent a lot of money. Um, and obviously we've been Lampard's second year. I do, I do think there'll be a little bit of pressure on him. 
um, but not too bad. Um, so no, it's a, it's a really good start. Just quickly, um, obviously the the guys will be back in the next couple of days to to preview the Boxing Day games. But there's League Cup tomorrow and or tonight as you're listening and Wednesday. Um, so we have on Tuesday Brentford Newcastle, uh, Arsenal and City. And then on Wednesday, we have Everton United and Stoke Spurs. So give me your predictions, guys. Who do you reckon the four teams in the semi-final will be? Dave, I'll start with you. I mean, first, it's very rare that I'm the only one on this podcast who's still in the cup. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a first, isn't it? Um, I, I mean, for some context here, Newcastle haven't made a semi-final of this competition in my lifetime. Um, when you think teams like Birmingham and Swansea have won it, uh, we're, we're, we're overdue. Um, I, I would love to say you know we'll, we'll, we'll win easily, but it's not really our way of doing things. And Brentford seem to be playing quite well at the minute. So uh, come on, um, chest I, out, I'll, back, see it. Hopefully we'll get the pens and win. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I've, I've got to go with us, but I, I'm not confident. Um, City will beat Arsenal because Arsenal. Yeah. Um, Spurs will probably beat Stoke, you'd think, but I don't know how seriously Mourinho will take it. They've kind of played a lot of football already and could do with the rest. Yeah, I think it might be the Europa League team. Yeah, so start this game. Yeah. So Bale, Bale against Stoke, uh, and then I fancy, I fancy Everton will beat Man U if Everton go full strength and Man U don't. But if if Man U can be asked. The better way. Is it that, is that Old Trafford or Goodison? No, it's at Goodison, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think if Man United can be Arsenal win, because again, they're good on the counter attack. But if they rest Fernandez and say, you know, a couple of, couple of the, the fast forwards, um, it might be a bit of a different story. Yeah. Uh, Simon? Uh, I, I think Brentford will win uh, against <laughs> Newcastle. I, I, just, I think Newcastle will just. I'd I'd be surprised if he if he put anything like a first team out. I think there'll be a number of reserves being put out. I mean, um, just again, sorry to cut across you, but like our next three games are Man City away, Liverpool at home, and Leicester at home. So frankly, you may as well play a full guns blazing in this match. Yeah. We're, getting, we're getting zero points for the next three. So yeah, in, in theory that would make sense, but oh, well, that, that, yeah. that's, that's relying on Steve Bruce to make sense. So. I wouldn't. I, 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 and Brentford are a decent team. I mean, you never know, but I, I personally, I, I see Brentford winning that. City are obviously going to beat Arsenal. Um, the Tottenham Stoke one, that's that's probably a bit more difficult to call in terms of just how seriously Tottenham take it. But I, I'd fancy Tottenham to win that. The Everton United. I think I'm going to go for Everton because United have got Leicester on Boxing Day. So they, I think they probably, with the position that they're in as well in, in the league and that they can get themselves into, I think they'll be probably taking that more seriously. And Everton, have, if I'm right, Liverpool is still in tier two so they can still have fans, can't they? Yes. Yep. So yeah. I think that might just make a difference and just mm-hmm. give them the edge. I think you'll know as soon as the teams are out. If uh, if Everton go full strength, man, you don't. Yeah. I, I think Everton could win that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, on our game as well, it's quite telling that the bookies have got Brentford as the favourites. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Well, well, for me, I, I'm I'm almost matching you, Dave. I, I reckon you guys will win quite comfortably. Uh, I do think City will win because 
the League Cup is just City's competition. They, they genuinely take it serious. Um, I think Stoke will beat Spurs, and I, I agree. I think Everton will beat United. Uh, I think the home factor will be massive for Everton, and I do think United will rest players. Um, and I'm going to say it'll be a Newcastle-Stoke semi-final. Um, and Newcastle-Final. Newcastle-Stoke. What a, what a semi-final for the neutrals that would be. I bet the sponsors would love the Stoke-Newcastle semi-final. <laughs> well, I mean, if I was choosing, I'd save it for the final. But, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no. Well, gents, uh, thanks for joining me as always. Um, that's the end of this week before we go into the, the hectic Christmas schedule. Um, Simon, where can they find you? And um, yeah. Uh, yeah, on Twitter at SioRegan. And Dave, um, did I ask about the podcast? And um, anyway, let them know where they can find you, the website, and all the good stuff. So the Twitter is at Sam9798. The website is sam9798.co.uk. Um, in terms of the podcast, I think we are going to try and do something between Christmas and New Year. Um, I just haven't haven't had the time or energy to do anything in the last couple, couple of weeks. So um, we might do something between Christmas and New Year, but um, we can always do it in January instead. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's the good thing about the, that that podcast, isn't it? There's no there's no time restriction. No, it, it, you know, it's, it's already from the past, so yeah. anything anything's a, a bonus. Uh, yeah, and and you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Um, give it give us a five star rating review, good or bad, um, on your Apple platform. Um, reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know any feedback you have. Um, the guys will be back with the preview show. Sometime this week, obviously Christmas week, so everything's kind of up in the air. Um, there's talk of a, a maybe a, a live stream quiz between Christmas and New Year. Get all the guys together, which will be will be fun. Um, and obviously we know it's been a miserable time, especially with all the, the government rules changing. Look, Christmas is what we make of it. Everybody just get out there and have fun. Christmas is the most magical day of the year. So from everybody at Man in the Post, have a fantastic Christmas day. And always remember to keep your man in the post.